0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Greenhouse SAS. I'm James. I'm Sandro. I'm Karan. And uh, we're here today with our good friend, Gage Clausen. He works for NCS, the National Center for Ecological Analysis and Synthesis. Uh, he works on a wide variety of environmental projects, but his two biggest projects currently center on calculating the global environmental footprint of food production and the yearly ho- ocean Calculating the yearly Ocean Health Index score. Very important, man. Uh, So thanks for coming on, Gage. What's happening?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Um, Yeah, the honor's all yours, Gage. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How bad is our global food production? Or is it good?
1: Um, Well, I mean, I... (laughs) That's kind of, I, I don't know if I can really answer that question.
0: <laughs> Dude, please give us There's a large, generalized statement. Yeah. Well,
1: so the idea behind the project was to map the global footprint of food production systems and map the stressors of that footprint and not map the impacts of that.
0: Okay, footprint. stressors, so, like the problem children of our global. Yeah, food.
1: we're mapping like where the stressors are but we're not mapping or quantifying the impact that the production has on the environment we're just showing you where the potential impacts could
0: be can we talk about the difference between stressors and impacts
1: yeah i mean so like a a stressor would be basically the almost the precursor to an impact um so it's more so like the impact is obviously the impact on uh, the environment, and I actually have this nice figure that we drew up for this paper because people were getting confused by this this different notion <clears throat> terminology.
2: Well, we're a podcast, so you got to explain it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna
1: pull, I'm gonna pull it up so I can explain it better. Draw a picture uh, yeah. with
0: your mind, man. <laughs> stressors versus these are the the little nuances I pretend that I know. Yeah. Can can
2: we get an example of a stressor? I'm having a hard time sort of picturing. So would a stressor be like a pollutant for instance, and then the impact is like
3: things are dying or getting sick from that pollutant?
1: Uh, Yeah, exactly. So like a stressor could be like excess nutrient output. So, you know, like
0: fertilizer runoff. Yeah.
1: Mapping where fertilizer runoff happens. And then the impact would be the the impact that that fertilizer runoff has on a specific habitat.
0: Dead zones, dead fish, algae.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think think that puts it pretty much perfectly is like that example is like the nutrients or the fertilizer runoff is the stressor. The impact would be, yeah, like dead zones or like the buildup of algae.
0: So where are the the impacts of our food system is most readily felt? Like, is it just like concentrated around farming areas or processing plants? What's the?
1: Yeah, uh, mostly like farming areas and primarily in the United States, Russia, China,
2: India. Russia, what are they farming in Russia? <laughs> Vodka, <laughs> they, potatoes. Oh, potatoes. Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of crops, but they uh, also have a lot of uh, livestock, I believe.
0: Uranium, uh, <laughs> polar bear.
1: Yeah, so like, like the big global names that you would expect are are primarily where like the, the pressures dominate.
0: Is that just because of the scale at which they're doing it?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the but, but like for instance, what this specific project is is really good for is being able to compare. How efficient like one country might be to another country in all of their different production systems. So like the United States is the top producer of soybeans in the world. USA number one. Yeah. And we're also one of the most efficient countries of producing soybeans. It has the lowest. Well, for our this project, we've quantified that it has the lowest pressure per ton of product.
0: Pressure per ton of so like the yeah. lowest environmental amount of environmental stressors per yeah. ton.
1: Exactly. Whereas India is the second biggest producer of soybean, they are not very efficient in their soybean farming compared to the United States. (laughs) 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 Um, So, like that's kind of where this project is is pretty useful is is one showing where all this production is happening and in the potential uh, stressors, as well as comparing like the efficiency of different systems in different countries.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I feel like the ocean health health index is we touched on this briefly but is that largely the same thing like mapping stressors and giving scores like you're the you're an environmental psychologist for nature
1: uh well i mean sort of like so the the ocean health index is more of trying to quantify the, the health of the ocean obviously but it's i would say we do somewhat map impacts in the ocean health index. And that's how we get our specific scores. And so, yeah, it's, it's essentially just trying to create like a, like a cumulative impact or index of ocean
2: health. But so um, you're, you're giving uh, the ocean a grade, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're giving
1: it a grade between zero and 100. Okay, what's uh, the
2: ocean's grade right now? Uh, I
1: believe the, the global average is like 71, I think. Nice. Um, yeah, 61, <laughs> get degrees or at least yeah, yeah. get degrees. Yeah, yeah, at least in, in uh 20 <laughs> in 2020 it was 71. It might go up or down a point. Uh,
2: for 20. the ocean is barely passing. Do you so, know what the highest the
0: ocean the scores ever been?
1: Oh, um, I don't know off the top of my head, uh, but I could look. Yeah, I That's... I would guess it's probably only like one or two points higher. Okay, so we've
2: never even gotten like a C plus. You don't need C pluses to go to community college.
0: Dude. You can-
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, that's the global average. So, you know, it's a, it's an average. So it's probably not really going to change that much unless some sort of like drastic event happens, which hasn't happened in the past 10 years. So, yeah. You know, what, what was the last so,
0: drastic event?
1: I mean, I guess COVID would be the last drastic. draft. Oh, so yeah, it, but obviously. We, <laughs> haven't, we haven't realized the effects of COVID and data yet, so So when you say the
3: average, like, how are you? Is it like the Atlantic Ocean has like one grade and the Pacific has another and so on? Or is it like specific points throughout like all these oceans that you're then when you say like the global average is a 71? Like, what does that mean?
1: So it's actually uh, the average of 220 different country
2: or territory scores. So each country has one score for the whole country.
1: Right. Each country has an average score for the whole country, but what goes into that score for the country is ten different variables. Mm, uh, what are those? Which, which we call goals. Um, goals stressors are just a report card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it gets a little bit more complicated. There are ten goals, four of which have sub-goals. <laughs> oh my um, god! <laughs> so granular. <laughs> Yeah, so I just basically like to say there are 14 different goals. Um, and then those 14 different goals or variables, we would average that to get like a country-specific
2: score. So what are a couple of variables and what is the U.S.'s score?
1: Right, so the um, some of the, the variables would be like one of the goals is a fisheries model. And so we quantify... Basically, try to quantify the health of uh, fisheries in each uh, region. So, for the U.S., what we do is we have this database of uh, reconstructed catch, so like fishery catch that's put onto a map, and then we also have a database of fishery stock statuses. So, like they're I don't their B over BMSY values, the, uh, the what values? <laughs> Whoa, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should know this. We learned about this. Get your uh, math out of our podcast. <laughs> what, what class we do we like learn we about know. this in, <laughs> in ecology? Eco- um, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's basically like the, it, it's a measure of the health of like a stock. And so it's, it's a measure of the population health of a stock. And basically it means like if it's greater than if the biomass over the biomass of the maximum sustainable yield is greater than one then that means the stock is overfished if it's less than one that means the stock is underfished and if it's right at one that means we're extracting the maximum sustainable yield of a specific fishery
0: huh. um, And this is a dashboard that's just being constantly updated
1: well uh there's yeah like a, a data set of like Global stock status that is updated, uh, I think, like once or twice a year that we use.
0: Huh. Wait, is there there are fish that are underfished? Oh yeah, yeah. Like which one? Do you know any offhand?
1: Uh, uh, no, I don't know any off offhand. But yeah, there's definitely like a big. Uh, there are plenty of fish that are underfished, and there are plenty of fish that are overfished.
0: I always, I think, I always just hear the overfished part. I never hear the. Under like, yeah, we should yeah. definitely kill some more bluefin tuna. Like, <laughs>
1: right. I mean it's it's a big part like to to effectively have a healthy stock, like you do need to fish at maximum sustainable yield. So you're extracting the the maximum sustainable amount of a specific species.
3: Wait, so hold on, I wanna rewind back to the countries, like the country score. <laughs> when you say there's two hundred and twenty one something like that scores, like is that for every single country on earth? But like, what about
1: landlocked countries? Are they also counted? Uh, uh, yeah, we don't. We do not include landlocked countries. Okay, yeah, Only so countries sure. with some sort of coastal zone. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's
0: more like the ocean has its own 220 neighborhoods. Right.
1: Yeah. It's it's countries and like territories. So you know, we have a score for like smaller islands. Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah.
2: So who who's got the highest score right now? Um,
1: let's see. I can check. I mean, I it's. I believe it's like a small island nation, most likely.
2: That's because they feed themselves sustainably.
1: Yeah. And in a lot of the goals for island nations, like if it's an uninhabited island, it's probably the best score. Probably <laughs> <is an uninhabited laughs> island. Um, So, like, a lot of the goals don't apply. The best um, way to have a top um, score is to have no humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. but I, I know for a fact Germany is in the top 10. How much ocean so, does Germany have?
3: Not,
0: they have
1: a lot. Really? Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure exactly off the top of my head, but like usually Baltic countries do really well. Germany, Norway, Denmark, Iceland does really well as well. Oh, it's,
0: it's, just, it's so weird because they have like the worst schools and the lowest unhappiness. And the <laughs> terrible low qualities of life. That's shocking. <laughs> yeah, I believe they come through on one thing. Good for them. So happy.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, hey, we we benefit from that, too. So how do we profit that? I mean, if, if the ocean's healthier there, we can make it less healthy here to
0: balance it out, you know? Not that that should be our mindset. I'm just saying that. I
3: don't know if that's how that I don't is. think <laughs> the, the
0: schools being great in Finland has, like, made me feel any better. Like, like every meeting you go to on American schools, like, the schools in Finland are great. We should do what they're doing. Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, hey, I don't know if it works that way, Sondra, because we have, a, at least in the United States, we have a much bigger coastline than
2: yeah. those countries. So we're handicapped. I mean, it's harder for us to get a higher score. We're nerfed. <laughs>
0: it's, not yeah. thing, it's rigged, bro. It's rigged against us. If you had to predict, do you think the ocean is going to go down towards... The ocean health index is going to go down towards 65 or up toward 80 over the next uh, 20 years?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'm a very interesting man. <laughs> I would expect things... I don't know about the overall average, but like, for instance, I would expect things like one of the goals that we measure is mariculture, marine aquaculture, which is marine fish farming for people that don't know what aquaculture is. I would expect that to go up.
0: Wait, so for mariculture, is it better for a country to have more mariculture or less?
1: Um, it, It depends on the country. We measure it based on, there was a paper that a researcher at UCSB did uh, recently, I believe it was last year, two years ago, that measured like the the potential for global marine aquaculture in every like country or EEZ uh, across the world. Um, and we measured sorry, what
2: what's EEZ? Uh,
1: exclusive Economic Zone. Nice. It's like a, a fishery term, or it's more of like the um, sounds like a really fancy the country <laughs> the, the zones that countries. I guess own of the ocean that is like considered their territory where they can fish. Really, then that guys. actually
0: exists. That's a, it. It's not that, just a mile off the coastline.
2: Yeah. I thought it was like 30 miles off coastline and belongs to that country. Like law of the high seas. I believe it's, uh, I thought it
1: was like 12 miles, like 200 nautical miles. Really? Oh wow. Uh, but Damn. it depends. Cause like some countries don't have 200 nautical miles between them, uh, and like another country um so
2: so that's awesome for like tiny islands because they're just like a tiny island but they own a ton of ocean
1: well i'm not exactly sure how it works off the top of my head but yeah i I guess that would be how it
0: yeah
1: that might be how it works (laughs) i've I've
0: heard predictions that like world war three would start in like the south china sea because like china and vietnam are going to fight each other over these zones
1: oh yeah indonesia is like blowing up fishing like illegal fishing boats if they yeah. go into their easy, yeah, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's okay.
2: Back to what were you saying? Though, what, what you were just saying though, Gage. Why what, what
1: are you? Sweating?
0: Why didn't you want to talk about World War Three? <laughs> um,
2: but uh, I
1: was just saying that I would expect, like, for instance, mariculture yeah. that score to increase okay. um, as more countries start adopting mariculture because it is like it's one of the fastest growing food production industries in the world. For the past twenty years, I think it's grown by like six percent per year. Wow. Um, yeah, and so I would expect as more countries start to, to develop their aquaculture facilities that that score would go up because they're going to reach their potential for So is that
3: production. a good thing? Like this mariculture score going up, does that mean like that's a good thing in terms of s- sustainability? Or does that just mean like literally there's more mariculture?
2: Well, it puts less pressure on the wild fish stocks, right?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I- ideally it would, it would put less pressure on other food systems but yeah so the production going up doesn't necessarily mean the score would go up but largely like uh, aquaculture like facilities and, and the te- technology behind them it has been getting much better over the years um, so I'd, I would expect the sustainability of them to go up as well we do include like a sustainability measure in the, the score calculation for mariculture So the
3: conspiracy guy might have been like a little misleading when he said all aquaculture is bad.
1: Uh, yeah, he's very misleading, actually. (laughs) Um,
0: Wait, but like when you hear like farmed salmon, that's not river culture. I don't know, like.
1: Uh, it depends. So there's what's called inland farming, which would be just done in like tanks on land. Um, but then there's like offshore salmon farming, which is done in like uh, sea cages. And basically they have, they like grow salmon in those cages to a, you know, specific, you know. Desired eating capacity. desired eating capacity. I believe even in some cases, like they, they release the fish into the wild sometimes.
2: Isn't that really bad for the genetic pool to do that? Uh, It it depends on on how it's
1: done. I mean, there's like. Sondra, weren't you in a cage for like (laughs) your first 18 years?
2: (laughs) Look how he turned out. How many kids do you have now? (laughs) Yeah, but I'm not being raised for food. I hope not. Yeah. Uh, debatable. I,
1: th- I think it depends <laughs> on how it's done, but generally, like yeah, best practice would be to to farm I, it. I
2: hear though <laughs> a lot. Okay, one complaint about aquaculture, since we're like talking about this in depth now, is that the amount of food, like calories, it takes to you that you have to give to a fish versus the amount of calories you get back out of that fish is like negative.
1: Right. So that's largely has to do with the feed that goes into aquaculture, and most of the feed for aquaculture is taken from what's called forage, forage
2: fish stocks. So things like sardines. How, how do we acquire all this forage fish?
1: Uh, well, it's, it's fished. Oh,
2: okay. So, <laughs> so, okay. So then that means to have sustainable aquaculture, we have to go like fish or overfish potentially other wild stocks.
1: Uh, that's, that could be one criticism. Yeah. But there are like new types of aquaculture feed that are being developed from things like seaweed uh, and seaweed farming um, hmm and i'm not sure of in there are other crops that go into feed as well but yeah a lot of it is from forage fish and then also forage fish also this is kind of off topic but forage fish also do go into feeding things like chickens and cows isn't it like
0: for almost all animals we farm like we put more energy into them than we get out and we eventually eat them right
1: uh i would probably guess we, so I we talked about that hypothesis.
0: in the ag episode
2: the the feed conversion ratio is yeah uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's
1: it's it's pretty variable for the feed conversion like ratio six to for, one
2: for cows three to one for pigs two to one yeah, for chickens. cows are pigs. the worst by far yeah
1: i think um, salmon aquaculture the one we used was something like 1.4 or something like that okay
3: take that that <laughs> was not terrible yeah
1: it was based off of norway data so they're probably
2: uh yeah they're probably way better than everyone else better than most places what what countries um are doing the most aquaculture right now
1: uh china by far
2: Um, wow what about brazil
1: uh actually i mean i think i don't know off the top of my head it's not one of like the largest top producers chile does a lot of aquaculture Mm. um norway does a
2: lot I but, feel like China is low key ahead in everything. They're just gonna pull the rug out from under yeah, our feet. Got, like,
3: We're not gonna records, be ready. Solar, solar, and wind, and like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: intellectual property.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean China is is way ahead in terms of production of aquaculture, but not much is known about where it's located, how sustainable it is, how sustainable it is specifically. Like they produce a lot of shrimp and. Shrimp you know. farming is like the worst. Shrimp is the farmer. one seafood
0: I
2: completely <laughs> avoid for like ethical reasons. Yeah, uh, it's such a bummer because it's so good. It's
0: so good. Wait, can we talk real quick about why shrimp farming is so bad? Uh, well, for those that need to be guilted at the, the next cocktail party, the ponds, <laughs> <laughs> the
1: the ponds that they use to to grow shrimp in are a result of like mainly a lot of like mangrove deforestation, and they take up just so much blue carbon. Depth. Yeah, in a the a blue carbon. So
3: we talked about mangroves being an excellent source of uh, carbon, carbon
2: sequestration. Yeah, they're a great carbon sink. So, yeah, yeah. They're, they're actually great. the greatest carbon sink. Whoa.
1: Yeah, oh, they're, um, <laughs> we include that. We, one of the goals for Ocean Health Index is carbon storage. Mm. And we include mangrove as, as one of our habitats to, that we include in that. And yeah, it is a great carbon uh, sequester.
2: Well, and also, uh, shrimp farming is creates a lot of pollution, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I believe so. I know, like the the main criticism that people have is the the deforestation that it causes mm. because it's the most seeable on a global scale, I, I suppose.
2: And then wild caught shrimp is pretty bad too because there's like a lot of bycatch. Is that the reason?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of bycatch and they probably use destructive gear types like bottom trawling so they basically like scrapes the bottom of the ocean and destroys a lot of stuff. Oh, like the soft, worst.
2: Man, soft that makes bottom <clears> habitat. <throat> when I have to watch videos of that, it's awful. <laughs> <That's>, it's like <laughs> yeah.
1: ocean Zambonis. There's actually a um there was actually a paper that was done by some UCSB researchers that got picked up by I think it was like the New York Times or something. And one of the like the big highlight from the paper was that bottom trawling fishing emits like twice as much greenhouse gas uh, than like the world airline industry or something. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I might be wrong about that. It might be the United States airline industry, but still, it's like a ridiculous amount. Is that of, uh, just emissions. because those
3: ships are huge and they're emitting a lot of like greenhouse gases well, or is there like issues yeah. of like the, the whole ocean cycle being
1: messed up? Part of it is due to like uh, direct like fuel consumption and cost. But the main majority part of it is because it's destroying carbon storing habitats on the bottom of the ocean. Hmm. So that carbon that would have been stored is rather than being stored not being stored and the, the stuff that's already on the bottom is being disturbed so then it gets released to so the atmosphere.
2: okay well key takeaway from that cut back on shrimp
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's <laughs> yeah. another big one cut
1: back on demersal and benthic fisheries
0: what is that what are the two those two words
1: demersal and benthic
0: what does that mean what is demersal? It's
1: just like fish that live near the bottom
0: and benthic is
1: also fish that Live, live, what's, live what's on the, the, the bottom? On the, <laughs> I guess benthic would be fish that live on the bottom, and demersal would be fish that live near the bottom. The okay, so just floor. so we should just eat tops, oh. not bottoms. Okay, what are some examples of
0: this?
1: <laughs> uh, like, like, basically any sort of like bivalve mollusk in a oyster, for instance. Or,
2: oh, no, no, I clan, like, no, oh, but
1: no. but while like. Farmed oysters are actually really, really good. Oh, good,
2: good, good. Thank goodness.
1: Yeah. So, like, aquaculture for oysters is really good because it largely creates habitats and uptakes nutrients.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, So, a lot of like aquaculture basically sets up essentially like an artificial reef, right?
1: Yeah. So, like, mollusk aquaculture does. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess seaweed aquaculture probably would too. What are some
3: uh like fish that are like benthic or what was it?
1: Demersal. Dim- dim- Demersal and benthic. Uh, I have no idea
0: how many times I'm going to bring this word
2: up. now <laughs> Basically, you want to eat the pelagic fish, right? Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like pelagic is, is top. To, I think pelagic yeah. and benthic are opposites, right? Like pelagic is top, and yeah. then yeah,
1: you know, exactly. Like, <laughs> We need um, like, like a vocal so appendix, like a we should,
2: we should have a little air horn for uh, when, <laughs> when we say smart stuff on this podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. might be our
2: <laughs> smartest episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> too smart. We need to dumb this down. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah we, we can dumb it down
2: for sure. <laughs> Let's just refer to them as tops and bottoms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Tops and bottoms. No more bottoms. No bottoms. No bottoms. <laughs> Wait, but problem? yeah, what are some examples of bottoms you should avoid?
1: I mean, I don't know if you should. I don't want to say like avoid these because I'm sure there are like some that are like sustainably hot, but but have a reputation
0: for like the industry that harvests them does disturb the ocean when they hunt them. Like an oyster you said would be one.
1: Uh, I'm not so sure about oysters, but like that's an example of like a benthic or a demersal type of species. Um, I'm not sure one that would be like off the top of my head, one that would be like super destructive. Um, but, like, uh, and I can tell you an example of like one of those types of fish would be like a flounder. Um, I don't know if, if it's specifically super destructive for habitat when they fish it, but if it's caught using bottom trawling, it probably is.
2: Okay, Gage, thank you for all your time. What is, what is since you know a lot about the ocean, you're an ocean man from Outer Banks, lives in SB, lives in SB. What is the wildest thing, like, hot take you have about the ocean?
1: Oh, um Oh man, I would have to say that I am like ninety nine percent sure that there is like a ancient civilization of octopi living <laughs> in the deep ocean that are much more advanced than the human race.
2: Like oh, in the Mariana and- trench or, or like where?
1: Uh I'm not sure. Just yeah, probably in the Mariana trench, like way down below. I think okay. they're hiding from I think they like they're way too advanced for us and where where they come from how'd they get there uh i think they've always been there um i octopi octopuses are like super super smart animals and i think that there might have been like a genetic strain that allowed them to live longer okay uh (laughs) allowed them to evolve and adapt yeah and and become super intelligent yeah Mm. i
3: read that octopus intelligence is like very different from what we're used to because like their brains or something are like in their tentacles. So they got like multiple, like each, each tentacle kind of like thinks differently or something like that. So it's like very different from what we're used to like with one brain kind of controlling everything. So if you find an alien race, it's more likely to be something like an octopus than like, you know, like a green man with a huge head or something like that. So, so I, I, fully, I fully support this hypothesis about <laughs>
0: octopus.
2: Are, are or are octopus not aliens is my question.
1: Um, well, they might be. Have you ever seen that movie Arrival?
2: Yeah, I have seen that.
1: Yeah, see the aliens in that movie are octopus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it must be true. Case closed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I guess on that note, we'll, we'll end it with keep an eye out for the, octopu- the, the nation of uh, advanced octopuses coming to a theater or uh, World War near you. It's very Lovecraftian. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I think we should definitely keep an eye out for them, and I don't know, maybe send out that guy from that, that movie that fucked that octopus.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you want to breathe with them? And... He definitely
0: fucked that octopus? It was like What's that movie called Octopussy, or oh, no, that octopus, was a James was Bond movie or something like that. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. octopus t-shirt,
3: something of that sort. He oh, was like oh, in man. love with his octopus. Uh,
0: yeah, that's oh, yeah, that was a weird one, but. Yeah. So so much content out there. Cool. Gage, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, we hope you guys all stay sassy. All right. Catch you later, y'all.